BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. I am your host, Liv, and I am here with a conversation episode. I need to figure out a different way to start these episodes because it's boring. I say the same thing every time. And again, it's because I don't write it down ahead of time. That's right. I am here with a conversation episode. In today's episode, I spoke with Ben of the Classical Studies Memes for Hellenistic Teens. It is a meme account on both Twitter and Facebook, though I hate Facebook. So I know Ben from Twitter, where we have become Twitter friends dealing with obnoxious, ridiculous people who like to co-opt Greek and Roman history and myth for their nefarious ways, and also just with funny memes about various people, often Hector. Because, I mean, Hector, I suppose the Hector ones aren't funny so much as heartbreaking and all about everyone's collective devotion to Hector in the movie Troy and beyond, and I think that's important. Anyway, Ben and I had a conversation about a million different things. Honestly, we talked about creating memes when it comes to the classical world, but also we just talked about 
myth and epic, so much about epic, about Homeric bards and Virgil and Latin and and just basically our experiences making content in the 21st century for the classical world, the world of, of ancient Mediterranean studies, obviously in my case, specifically Greek myth. We talked about what it's like to have that kind of platform online, um, about how important we both feel it is to support certain groups who might otherwise feel, you know, left out by a lot of things. We just talked about nerdiness and, you know, yeah, like basically everything. Honestly, it was really fun. We just had a good laugh and a great conversation. And uh, I like to, to space out all these different conversations I get to have, you know, some where we'll just learn a million things about something you never imagined. And others where I just get to have really great and interesting conversations about the ancient world and what it is like to be a person interacting with the ancient world. I mean, I think all of these things are so important and interesting and 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 varied. And anyway, Ben and I had an amazing conversation. He has a great Kiwi accent. Who doesn't want to listen to the second Kiwi accent in a row after last week's Rachel Smythe? I mean, God, I'm just giving you guys all the incredible New Zealander accents you could ask for. I really hope you enjoy this episode. We had a lot of fun recording it. Conversations. Socrates was invented by Plato to sell more philosophy. Classical memeology with Ben of classical studies memes for Hellenistic teens. Thank you for doing this. Kind of nice when I get people where I'm like, oh, no, we're just like two nerds who have like made a platform by being nerdy on that's the internet. That, that's very true. I needed an outlet for all of my sarcasm in life because my oh friends my were getting annoyed. <laughs> I mean, mine is just like my sarcasm, I feel like thankfully gets across. But the sheer volume of nerd content that lives mm. inside my brain with nowhere to put it. So course, here I am. Yeah. Yes, that's great. But yeah, so I mean, like classical memes, classical studies memes for Hellenistic teens specifically. Yes. Why and how did you start that? What level of nerd? I don't know. Talk about <laughs> talk about your meme account. Okay, like in terms of how we started, it's a it's not the most interesting of stories, <laughs> but I'll tell it anyway. Great. Um So yeah, no. So I've I've been teaching um, classical studies, which is what we call our subject here in New Zealand. I'm a, a secondary school teacher, um, high school if you're from those sorts of people. Um, but I've been teaching that for about five years. And it, scarily enough, it was, uh, I think, four years ago now. Um, I was sitting in class one day. I think it was around this time of year. And I was I was pretty bored. <laughs> and the kids were writing some essay or something. And I was like, hey, I should make a page on Facebook for these memes. <laughs> because, you know, I, I was I was a young new teacher trying to be hip and cool and relate to the kids. And so I'd, you know, I'd been sending out memes and that sort of thing. Um, and, um, and, and so I had like all these sort of memes floating around. And I was like, what should we call it? And I was like, 
classical studies memes and like it was the big format at the time like so and so memes for something something teens um and i was like classical studies memes for and then i was like what's a word with enough syllables to fit in there and i was like and we'd been te- i'd be teaching greek art and i was like oh hellenistic <laughs> and then i was like i just put the name and didn't even think about it like it's got two lowercase letters for some of the words and some of the other ones are capitalized and it's just like i put zero effort or thought into it um and yeah and then and then and and then that stuck unfortunately i uh, not unfortunately it's it's it, it does the job like it describes the page um and gives it a bit of an air of mystery but i do sometimes well it does lead to some complications um people who miss the studies part in it and and just send me like here's a classical text like charles dickens <laughs> or shakespeare i'm like no <laughs> and then people are like oh i want to talk about roman stuff but it's not hellenistic and i'm like no the memes are classical studies the teens are hellenistic <laughs> so yeah i mean like people get the gist of it and they don't really look at the name that much so yeah i mean i named my podcast the absolute first thing that came to my mind yeah and was like this is fine this is funny i don't know i'm not gonna regret this at all i'm definitely not gonna feel silly when it's like my full career and somebody has to say like what's it called i'm like well (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think if it's your career and you're making money off it that's really great if it's like yeah, so how do I slip into conversation that I just run a meme page on the internet <laughs> with a ridiculously long name? And it's like, yeah, that's a hard one to bring up in conversations. Yeah, fair. Yeah, but it's also huge, which is amazing to me. Like- yeah, it's 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 definitely surprised me. And uh, like, I have lots of I have lots of wise words of wisdom to share about how and and in what ways that I grew my audience. But I might save that for a, a paid presentation one day. <laughs> you know, one of those get rich quick um, seminars. You'll see me on TEDx at some point. No, um, but essentially, yeah. So it grew it grew really big on Facebook. Facebook is for all of its faults still a very good platform for creating um, sort of viral content that people can share very easily and interact with. And you learn pretty quickly how to like force people into interacting things like tag a friend who does this. And it was like, that was the sort of early days of it. But I was really lucky because um, I had started it up and it got a bit of traction because obviously I had a, I had an audience, a captive audience already with all my students in my class. And I was like, not like, overly promoting it to them but they would sort of thing and then share it with their friends and then you get all the i got all the sort of students around the area sharing things and liking it and then there was a piece of meme history <laughs> one day i'll be a professor teaching about meme history don't worry um <laughs> there was a piece of meme history and there was like one of the most famous memes of all time came out and it was the distracted boyfriend meme which mm-hmm. I think anyone should hopefully be able to envisage in their mind. When that one first came out, there was a metric button of memes about that one. And we had one. I remember. Yeah. What a time. <laughs> hey, what a time. Um, <laughs> take me back. But it was, uh, and, and like, it was a very, very simple meme and very popular. And we had basically someone sent one to me. Like I didn't even make many of the memes back then. Um, someone sent one to me and it had the guy and it was Zeus and like the, the the girlfriend was Hera and the other thing was just like anyone else. And like people just went crazy for that. 
and it went like the equivalent of viral for my page at the time like now it's like yeah i'd probably do better in a day like on any meme but it was big at the time and and really helped start us off so so many people sent me that i get sent my own memes sometimes which is funny um but it's when people i know in the real world send me ones and i'm like oh bless you so much for trying i want to like preserve my friendship and not be like yeah okay yeah i think i've seen that one i was like but yeah you're trying to relate to me i appreciate it yeah it's really hard i have this one friend who sends me them and now it's just like become a thing where Mm. Every once in a while, he, he will send me one I haven't seen before. And he gets, like, applause and gets mm. very proud of himself. So it's mm. it's almost like a good game of, you know, can you find a, like, Greek mythology-based meme that I haven't seen? Because mm. then you get special praise. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm all for people sending me memes um, because that does my job for me. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> like, I, I, I spend a lot of time scouring various places for memes, but there are some places where I don't go <coughs> Reddit. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, people send me stuff all the time, and that, and that really helps, and that helps share it out. It does sometimes create issues because people are like, oh, you stole this from something else. I'm like, just someone sent it to me. <laughs> don't, well, don't it's yeah, it's hard for, like, when it comes to memes on the internet, too, because it's like, it's going yeah. to happen. Like nobody knows the original source of any of those things unless, you know, unless you put obvious. like a little thing on it with your name on it, which is, yeah. you know, if I care that much about a meme, I will do that. And most yeah. of the time I don't <laughs> actually most of the time when I make a meme, I'm so excited to post it. I literally <laughs> posted one like a, a minute before I started this interview. Um, I just forget to put my name on it and I don't care. Like, I'm just like, you know, it's just, it's there yeah. for people to enjoy. It's 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 the entire point of a meme is for it to be shared and spread around and go to the weirdest corners of the world, which I will say, um, my stuff has turned up in some very strange corners of the world, which is cool. If 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 I'm teaching people stuff, then I feel like I'm doing a great job because you know I'm a teacher at heart. So. I don't know. I guess if people are seeing stuff and, and when people say like, I don't get it. And then someone else comments underneath what it is. And they're like, thanks. And I'm like, the people are learning things. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm helping. I mean, yeah, that's just lovely. I, um, I've made one meme in my whole <gasps> life. I'm sure you've made more. Come on. I really like, I, I am find them entertaining, but <laughs> I don't, I you like you know, never, you don't, you don't eat and breathe it. Yeah. No, I did one with that, the butterfly. Oh, yes. And I don't remember. Now I'm trying to like figure out what I did, but I don't even remember. I remember Is thinking. Is this a something? <laughs> yeah, but I'm, oh, I wish I remembered what it was because I was really proud of myself. Yeah, the thing about memes and, and that I found in it, it is the, the continual struggle in in my life, if, if, I, if it can be a struggle. But um, the thing about memes is that they are like an inside joke where you need to know two different things. You need to know both what the format of the meme is, which comes from having seen lots of other memes, and you also need to know what the reference is. So it's like it's like a double handshake inside joke sort of thing, which it, mm-hmm. and, and that makes it like super cool if you get it. Um, but it means like if one of those two things is slightly too obscure and not like instantly recognizable, it's not going to work or it's not going to be popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I come up with memes that I think are like incredibly good and incredibly funny, but like the classical reference is just a bit too obscure for it or the meme format is a bit fresh and people don't recognize it. And so they just scroll past, which is, which is like, 
it, it kills you a little bit but um and then and then you just post one and it's just like here's a funny picture of a swan with a person haha <laughs> zeus and then everyone's like yes i love that i get that reference so <laughs> <laughs> it's a philosophy ones i find i never get because i have made a point to not pay attention to greek philosophers all of that much that's a very good thing to do i think so based on what i see on twitter it feels like the right call <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not a i'm not big on philosophy like i get like the like i like jokes about philosophers like you know diogenes and all the plato man and all that sort of stuff that's great but like getting into their actual philosophies i'm just like mm. Mm, no <laughs> it's yeah. this there's, there's nothing in there that's actually going to be particularly funny and it would take too long to understand it i feel like everything i've learned about socrates is from assassin's creed odyssey so if <laughs> the reference point can like reach that game then i'm good and that's it what's great though is that philosophers get really upset about it and it's very easy to troll them and i do, I do engage in a bit too much trolling sometimes but i always i always get them by just saying that socrates was invented by plato to sell more philosophy <laughs> and they really hate that like, no socrates was a real person i'm like eh, but he was made up by plato <laughs> just keep going and see how long it takes them to realize that i'm just messing with them <laughs> i do have to say yeah the level of trolling that sometimes happens is very funny and just the way people get so mad is really entertaining to just watch from afar that's actually a really good point and it's something that um i'm i'm quite interested in and 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 have found my own ways to kind of deal with because yeah if you get too uh, caught up in stuff it can it can send you down some really really tough spirals and um and it's it's a one of the worst things about social media is that it can just incite people to get really angry about stupid tiny little things that don't really matter um but what i've found and this is a, one of my key tips to um <laughs> to anyone out there who wants to run social media and, and gets a, sort of a large following is if people are like getting angry or saying stuff about things you don't keep arguing with them um <laughs> and if you want to like just refute them i just i just say no i just i just type two letters no <laughs> and then that then they'll sort of try and argue again with you but and then they just say no again and then they'll eventually just burn themselves out if you give them stuff if you like feedback on what they're saying or you criticize what they're saying then mm -hmm. it'll just be another like we've seen like facebook threads which go on and on and on and on and if oh, you just say God. no then they'll just they'll just burn themselves out eventually i mean yeah that's that's happened on my page specifically about medusa a lot mm -hmm. and that's about it mm -hmm. and a little bit of atlantis but i was just mm -hmm. like i am not i'm not mm -hmm. going there i'm yeah. not we're yeah. not <laughs> Yeah, We're not doing this. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there, there are some really great people out there championing some of the, um, the, uh, the finer points of, of the. I guess the, I guess there are some sort of battle lines in, in classical studies out there, um, and a lot of those are formed around. I, I, I suppose I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm quite uh, biased in the sense that I do a lot of interaction now on Twitter because it is kind of the biggest sort of melting pot that I've found of, of interaction. Um, it's really interesting, actually. I I only started the the Twitter page for this account like at the beginning of last year, and my Facebook that's wild. Yeah, Facebook wanted to be going for like four years, um, and I only started the Twitter one at the beginning of twenty twenty, and I didn't really even try that much or do much on it. But then the pandemic <laughs> kicked in, and I, I had a lot more time, <laughs> and um, and so did everyone else apparently, and everyone was on Twitter, and that that one like blew up really quick and it went to like, I got it to like a hundred K within like a few months, which is insane. 
Yeah. Um, and anyway, so so I you know I do a lot of I, I do a lot of engagement with people on on Twitter as opposed to uh, Facebook, which is kind of you just put stuff out there and you kind of moderate it a little bit, but you don't get into long conversations because Facebook comments are not worth it. I but, do not go on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah good but twitter's really good for 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 you know just sort of gauging the the sort of communities and i sort of tiptoe on the edges of various communities there's a very strong uh academic community i guess on on twitter and and sometimes mm-hmm. they can sort of feel like they own classics a bit and that can be a bit <laughs> that can be a bit tricky like and then and, and and that can that can mean sometimes i'm criticized for like sort of lowbrowing my content or playing into stereotypes or things like that but i'm like okay but i'm also appealing to like hundreds of thousands of other people who i don't go to university and just want to you know have jokes about gods and that sort of thing so it is it is kind of a fine line like that um i also sort of tiptoe along the edges of new zealand twitter which is just its own wonderful wild crazy thing and put put some funny things up sometimes um but yeah you end up in these different sort of communities and different worlds Mm -hmm. which is which is quite fun yeah i've i've found myself definitely like learning to mediate that part the academic academic part as well because like i am deeply not academic Mm. but my show does a lot of like teaching and i'm glad for that but i think that there is like a perfect line between like being super academic and being accessible and also just like yeah not you know not beating yourself up too much i definitely went through a period where i was like i worried way too much Mm. about the academic side and i'm like it really like i'm doing good and i what i'm doing is like knowledgeable and well done and that should be all that matters research to support by evidence that that is that is academic it doesn't have to be for a university department or in a published paper or something like that yeah it should never we should never be gatekeeping any any subject area or anything Mm -hmm. like that um what i do what i do find that is useful though is the the way that it challenges us to to be better i guess mm-hmm. um and, yeah. and those academics who aren't out there just to sort of bring down and criticize but are there to to say like hey you know we need to be mindful of these things and we need to expand these sorts of things and mm-hmm. classics is an inherently deeply problematic subject area mm-hmm. because it's built on like a very white western perspective of history and how do we cope with that and how do we bring into other things when i first started up um doing my meme page essentially i was really only doing um greek and roman stuff because i essentially limited our topics to what was covered in classical studies in new zealand schools which Mm -hmm. is you know in itself a very traditional old-fashioned style subject um and so i didn't even post stuff about egypt because it's also not my area of expertise and Mm -hmm. i didn't like feel like you know perfectly you know able to to get all the the references and that sort of thing um but then you know over time i sort of got got that sort of feedback today like you know we should be incorporating more about the ancient world and, and and different cultures and different perspectives and that sort of thing you know so you've got egypt persia you've got all those wonderful worlds around the same time period and different perspectives as well but it is it is hard to sort of balance that against like coming from a position of actually of knowledge and and being able to be knowledgeable and not make you know mistakes or misrepresentations and that sort of thing so those are the sorts of areas that that i think it's it's good to continually um receive feedback on and, and try to you know improve rather than just it's constructive criticism i suppose 
Yeah. And yeah, and when it yeah, meant in I mean it's constructive, but it's also like done kindly, I think. You know, people giving you the benefit of the doubt, I think oh, is yeah. the key. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly like expanded how I tell stories and what I'm looking at and stuff from just yeah, being a part of classics Twitter in whatever way that I am too. Like yeah. there's definitely a lot of goodness there as well. Even just like certain terminology and like just things that I wouldn't have known because I'm sure. not in academia, so I'm not in like the, you know, most up to date way of studying these things because my degree is also was called classics not mm. all, not all of them are anymore but it's called classics and it was greek and roman specifically which yeah. i do think yeah i mean expanding to the whole of the ancient mediterranean and that in the general field of study is super important but i'm the same or I, I just don't have knowledge mm. beyond i mean even i don't have that much knowledge of rome you know so it's like i'll forgive you I mean, I don't feel like I need forgiveness because I absolutely <laughs> think the Greeks are the best, so it's fine. Um, but I recognize yes. you've Latin is a little bit of a thing there, so yes, actually, I mean, my my classical education started quite young in my life, um, uh, and this is the part where I, I admit that I grew up in a uh, in a household of teachers, and my father mm. was a Latin teacher. So I, I got that from a very young age. I was, you know, we were always watching documentaries on this and, and, and that sort of thing. But I, you know, I've been studying, well, I started studying Latin about 20 years ago, which seems like an incredibly long time ago for me. Um, it makes you feel very old. But yeah, my first introduction to the ancient world was through Latin and, um, and then, you know, later on into various areas of classics. But I have found that my, that, that in, in general, uh, that the that Greek content is is more well received mm. today in the in the in the melting pot of the internet, or at least um, there's more stuff to more ground to tread there, I suppose. And also, ancient Rome is uh, a somewhat problematic topic. Uh, I mean, not like Sparta is all that much better. No, that's on the true, internet, but that's specifically yeah, on the internet. Yes, yeah, there are some there are some areas that we just have to tiptoe around, aren't there? That's why I like mythology because yeah. it's a lot easier to navigate than the history when it comes to people's thoughts and feelings. Yes, um, and also obviously my I come at it from a very specific lens of like of i'm gonna be a super obvious and loud feminist about it so it's pretty easy to like find my own place and not really have to deal with a lot of angry people because they realize pretty quickly and sometimes they write a stupid one-star review but then they're still gone so that's yeah. nice <laughs> Yeah. I think I think that um, in terms of of mythology, the I mean, even though there is a, a, a sort of a shared mythology between the the Greeks and the Roman, obviously um, it's much more preferential to come at it from the, the Greek perspective, if nothing else, because the Greek names for the gods are better. <laughs> they they are actually uh, there was uh, there's a very um, one of those naughty things that I do is uh, <laughs> there's a meme where I put the lists of the names for the the Greeks or the Romans or the commonly accepted version we know that there's a lot of gray area in some of those mm -hmm. um and then and then i put just like it's it's as simple as putting like a, a better than or or or, or less than <laughs> between the greeks and the roman ones and i always sort of switch some of them around just to annoy people and then and then you get just comments by the 
by the drove. <laughs> I think <laughs> I've ever seen fun. one of those. That's good. Was, what do you, you know, do for Apollo? Um, well, the, yeah, it's the equal sign. It's just equal. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then, like, it, like one person will comment afterwards and be like, "No, Apollo is better than Apollo." And then, like, seventeen other people will make the same joke <laughs> within the next <laughs> hour. But yeah, no, like, I have, I have my own particular particular views on those sorts of things and it is it was from my personal you know like i never quite liked the name hephaestus and i always mm. preferred vulcan although particularly coming from my background as being a star trek fan that was always one that sat sat more nicely with me but like i always uh, you know i was i was more inclined towards mars than Ares, but then mm. definitely zeus over jupiter and athena over minerva oh, minerva's terrible minerva's um, not a great name yeah yeah so so like i i i'll put that out there and then and just you know it's just like putting the cat amongst the pigeons annoys <laughs> people i will say i do i also agree that the name vulcan is better if we're going for good or bad but (gasps) the only the thing about it which i've learned more recently not that i didn't well anyway but like it's fascinating the so vulcan like is hephaestus but the greeks didn't really associate him with volcanoes very much and then the romans did which i really appreciate so i also like it more because he's more associated with volcanoes and volcanoes are cool and that's a wonderful, like, um, sort of example of how even geography can affect culture. Because obviously, mm-hmm. for the Romans, they had Mount Etna going off all the time, mm-hmm. and so like volcanoes were much more in their sort of frame of mind than um, maybe if you were in Greece, where there were you know old mountains. <laughs> well, but what's also interesting because the Greeks were on Sicily like really early, right? Mm. So they also had Etna, but mm. they didn't associate it with Hephaestus. They associated it with like Typhaeus, Typhon, or yes. another monster being stuck underneath. Yes. So it was just like a different mm. association in an interesting Indeed. way, like a little bit more like a an explanation for why that volcano was so angry instead of like, well, it's practical. No, no, like Hephaestus is just working in there, yeah. like or Vulcan rather is just working in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I love I love all that sort of stuff about mythology about how how you can how you can link um, ideas and thoughts and try and find the development and links to the land and the people and the movement and all those wonderful things. It's it's such a rich area, and I don't think any of us will ever fully be able to understand or comprehend the the amazing depth of that stuff. But it's just so great to, to tap into that. It is, yeah. I mean, it's just so much fun to like. I like to half the time I swear I'm thinking about it like as in in the middle of a conversation and like new things are coming to me and like realizations and yeah, it's, uh, it's wild. It's wonderful to, yeah. I think that like in the same way that you can do that about myths, I do that often about language, um, Mm. coming from a perspective of knowing Latin, you'll in a conversation, you'll be like, wait a minute, (laughs) that word comes from Latin. (laughs) Um, and then you think about that, which, which is something that I love as well. But yeah, mythology is, 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 it it one of one of the reasons that I always try to promote classics is because it is so removed from modern times, but it is also so similar and so grounded in the way that we think and do stuff, and it allows us to explore our own culture in the same way that learning an ancient language allows you to explore your own language, um, and open up new ways of seeing things and thinking about things that just expand your your horizons which is what everyone needs to be doing little teacher moment there Uh (laughs) agree entirely i feel like i mean yeah that's certainly how i come at 
mythology too and constantly like i mean just even new episodes to share what new thing i learned about a you know character that i've already covered before but it was like three years ago and like the amount that i've learned in the four years of this podcast too is like utterly unbelievable i can imagine um well, and, and I love the language stuff too. And I don't even, I don't, I took first year Latin, did not do particularly well at it, but I took it. Um, and then I've been trying to learn Greek and I briefly mm. have like been looking at ancient Greek too. Oh yeah. And so. it's just fascinating. The things that I notice from like bare minimum knowledge, yep. Yep. but also my brain like taps into it well. So I can still make the connections even if I don't really like understand. Oh, yeah, the thing. yeah. You, you can you um you learn to recognize the shapes and the sounds of a language in words that we see today. Like it's 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 pretty obvious for me not knowing Greek um in, in anything other than the basic form. You'll you'll hear a you'll hear a word and you think, oh yeah, that's definitely from Greek because it's got that mm-hmm. style of the ending with certain vowel combinations or the letters. It's got hey, it's got a lot of PS and Y and stuff in that word. <laughs> it's clearly from Greek. Yeah, well and it's similar with Latin, like in names and things, you know, you can tell what names come from Latin, certain endings and things like that. Yes. And yeah, I mean even just the minimal modern Greek that I've learned, I've been able to like certain words you can tell come from ancient Greek that influenced Latin that influenced English. And then others come from ancient Greek that did not influence Latin that did not like in the way that they're varied or even just the letters and the sounds and everything. It's fascinating. All yeah. Of it. Like, yeah. It's you, you'd spend all your life and you'd, you'd not know half of it. But what's really great about, um, uh, about, uh, I guess about the stuff that I do is that it, it really informs my teaching as well. Um, mm. I've, you know, I picked up teaching Alexander the Great last year um, and, you know, didn't come into it fresh because I'd been making memes about Alexander for all this time. <laughs> and, you know, it gives you it gives you just the, 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 the knowledge and the springboard and that sort of thing. And I've never actually yet got to teach the Iliad, which mm. um, which is very sad for me because I do love the Iliad. Um, in fact, last year, as a bit of a joke... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a joke we were like hey let's um uh, i i started like a poll or something it was it must have been when i got to like two hundred thousand on twitter or something i was like what should we do to celebrate this and, and everyone was like you should tell the iliad but in memes and i was like okay i'll do that <laughs> and then like <laughs> three months later i had made like over 300 memes oh my god <laughs> <laughs> covering twin like 24 books of 24 the iliad books. Yep. that's um that's like more than 10 memes for, for each book like i'd read through the whole thing in detail and gone research and done all this sort of thing and, and spent all this time making it and then i was like <laughs> what do i even do with this um and it's like and then you i, I would post them and like because social media doesn't like you posting like 10 things in a row like it, it doesn't give you the, the greatest sort of visibility and i was like i put a lot of effort in, into it to to, to to get an interesting result but then later on I've, I've now made it into like these um posters and you can get the posters and you can buy these sorts of things and that sort of thing um which is pretty cool and one day i hope to like have some sort of website where i can host it that sort of thing but Regardless of all that, it was for me like the most educational <laughs> experience I could have for the Iliad because I kind of had to go through each bit and understand all the major things and all that sort of thing. So if I went to to you know got told next year oh I'm teaching the Iliad, I was like, 
sure, fine, easy. <laughs> I can do yeah. that. Like I've never, I've never taught it before, but uh, yeah, I pretty much know exactly what's going on. <laughs> well, yeah, and you have the course materials right there, all the memes. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. It's like for uh, for homework today, <laughs> go and read these ten memes. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. The Trojan War is I'm not sure I'm not sure for you because you, you have like a whole wealth of mythology, but the Trojan War is far and away the the myth that has captured the minds of my audiences, I guess, the most and, mm. and creates the most memes for me. Um which which is really cool. And um you, you can throw in a bit of Aeneas and the Aeneid in there, but no one really cares about that. But <laughs> but i just yeah i love i just love everything about it because it's like it's like the you know the avengers of the ancient world it's like you know marvel throwing in all these different guys together it's so cool and it also um powers my enduring hatred of the film troy so a lot of thoughts there first aneas okay so i'm fascinated by aneas in the iliad oh yes 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 does he spawn a lot of memes in the iliad um, or do people kind of forget that he's in it? Well, I don't very think they forget he, that he's in it, but... He's 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 so minor in the Iliad that yeah. people very much don't care about him at all. No. The Iliad's all I find, like Achilles, Agamemnon. Yeah. Paris. I find him so fascinating in the Iliad yep. because he is minor, but he's also not... Like, 
he's a minor character in terms of like overall content about him Mm. but what content there is is so unique Mm. and like the only other i was just talking about this on a different call because i've recorded two episodes today (laughs) with other people um but so i uh I find him so fascinating because like basically so much of him mirrors Achilles and mm-hmm. Achilles's relationship with his mother, Thetis and Aeneas and Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. And like, but then Aeneas does not matter in the grand scheme of Greek mythology, but he seems to be this like really interesting and unique part of the Iliad. And then goes on to, you know, the Romans picked him up yeah. as a mythological founder, but like all of that, like the Iliad was written long before that would have happened. And anyway, that's all to say. I find him in the Iliad fascinating and I hate him in the Iliad. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, definitely. He's the, he's the worst. (laughs) Just Uh, so boring. He's the worst. But the, yeah, that's the thing about the Iliad is that like, it could be so many other people's stories, but it is Mm. not. The Iliad is not the story of the Trojan war. It's not the story of the Trojan horse. It is the story of the anger of Achilles and what that, leads to and that's why it is such a cool thing and it's also tricky for people to get their head around because you know it's not it's not how people look at books today it's not like a novel it's not like here's the beginning here's the end it's Mm -hmm. just like all this stuff's happening achilles is pissed off and here's everything that happens as a result of that and look at all these people die and then look the story ends with um i must say that for me book 24 of the iliad is one of the one of the most beautiful spiritual moments in mm-hmm. in literature to me and i didn't i didn't get it that much i didn't get it that much until i saw a play i'm not sure if you've heard about it it's a play called an mm-hmm. iliad have you heard of that so here's a here's a fun story i went to see the version of this play an iliad put on by, in new zealand it's a one person um play and i got to see it mm-hmm. with, with michael hurst in the role of the um, of the of the poet, I suppose. Michael Hurst is one of the most famous New Zealand actors, and he was also he was on Xena and Hercules. He was um, what's his name, Iolus or um, Hercules's nephew <laughs> or whatever. I, oh. I can't remember exactly. I, I, it's, that that show was even before my time. Anyway, he was he had that, that history, but he's like is, he's an amazing, amazing, amazing actor. Like huge mm-hmm. amounts of mana, huge amounts of like experience and talent, and. Um, and it's this one person. It's this one person play with another person playing music alongside it, and um, and the music is sort of ethereal and this sort of thing. And basically, he's the bard, and, and like you know, but he's the bard, and he's he's gone through this whole sort of thing. And he tells you bits of the story, and he cuts out bits and that sort of thing. But it, it's the closest I've ever come. It's the closest I've ever come to feeling like I was sitting around the campfire with Homer himself telling the story. Mm. And he, he just, it's so gripping the way that it brings you through the story. And then he, he highlights that beautiful moment at the end of, 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 of the early in book 20, uh, book 20, 24, I think it is, um, 23, 24, where Priam comes to the tent mm. of Achilles. And it's just the, like, if you, if you haven't read the rest of the story or you didn't really kind of get that into it or, or really understand like the depth of the themes, it, it can pass you by, but here it is. It's like, here's a father coming to the tent of his deepest most darkest enemy and begging him for the return of the body of his son and it's just so full of all these emotions and then achilles whose anger has been burning and burning and burning and 
countless people have been sent down to the halls of Hades and all these people are dead and his his best companion <laughs> is is dead his, best his, his best Patroclus is dead and all these people have died and all this anger and he's destroyed all these relationships all that all of this sort of thing and then like his anger just dissolves by this act of utter humility in front of him and Michael Hurst in this play just perfectly captured that and it was just the most amazing feeling for me and I can never not feel that same experience whenever I go through that and then you know after all that I went back and I read the book and it's like just before that I think it's uh, maybe is it Hermes or someone like that visits um, <laughs> visited Achilles and he's like you're going to forgive him. You're going to give him back. <laughs> and it's like, it kind of undercuts it almost, except that Achilles is like, well, I don't think so, but we'll see. <laughs> and it's like, these amazing like comic moments that weren't necessarily meant to be comic that actually are like, are like hilarious when you, when mm-hmm. you sort of view it in a different way. And that's why I love making memes, but <laughs> mythology, because there's so much stuff that they do. That's so unintentionally funny. And I've taught, I've taught the Odyssey for like five years and like I, I read it out in class and I just can't help but editorialize and add in all the jokes as I go. As you should. I, I mean, obviously, I notoriously love the Odyssey. But the Iliad and for all of those things and so many things, you know, it's like it is absolutely unintentionally funny in so many yeah. incredible ways. Yeah. But also makes you wonder about the process of mm. its compilation, right? Yes. Its composition, because... Yes. It's like, well, did somebody one day just decide they wanted to add that bit, yep. right? Yep. Of like, correct. It because, yeah, yeah. It, you know, because it probably had more emotional power before mm. or without that. And then somebody was like, I don't, I don't think it's believable. I think we need to have a god come in. Yeah. Like, let's toss exactly. in some Deus Ex Machina. Let's yeah. like throw just, in this just yeah to, just to add in thing. a layer of believability to it yeah yeah it's, it's and like, then unintentionally like fuck with the emotional heft of it <laughs> yeah. you know it's like whoops um and but it's like you know it's like reading the odyssey and you're like i'm pretty sure that the first four books of the story were just added on by someone later on like no one intentionally set out to be like hey let's have four books about telemachus that's a great way to start a story <laughs> to start it too which is like anyone you know writing a novel today or an editor would tell you start with the action don't oh start God. with telemachus coming around just what? like being whiny and obnoxious and 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 you know talking about doing the iliad memes i'm, I'm currently like battling through doing the odyssey and memes and it's, it's taking a lot longer this time um but um it's really funny because like you get to the start of book one and there's this great council of the gods and athena's like you got to go help him and they're like okay we'll send down hermes to, to you know calypso's island and then you get mm-hmm. to the start of book five after four books of just telemachus mucking about and then they're like the gods are still there and athena's like hey we should send hermes down it's like this is the same scene. You're just doing exactly the same thing. Did you need to have those four books? This has clearly just been tacked on. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like a it's a really great springboard when I teach it to talk about the oral tradition and um, bards and that sort of thing because it's it's one of the true um, true passions of my life. Um, when I uh, when I studied Latin, um, my my absolute favorite thing was um, epic and and learning and and especially epic meter and dactylic hexameter. Mm. And um, most some people out there who take Latin will know this um, th- that you either love or you hate doing scansion. And I absolutely love scansion, which is basically sitting down with like a hundred lines of the text and just writing out the whole the meter of it, which is like complex and incredibly. <laughs> 
But what what it gives to you is it gives to you this <laughs> incredible understanding of how bloody difficult it is to actually even to sit down and write a single line of Latin in dactylic hexameters is, is particularly difficult. When I was at university, mm. I foolishly decided to write 14 lines of dactylic hexameter, and it took me like two weeks. Um, and that's about the speed at which um, Virgil wrote the Aeneid. But then you learn all that, and you think, oh God, it's so hard to create all this sort of thing, even by writing it down. And you think that there were these Homeric bards who were making the whole thing up on the spot mm-hmm. every night, and it, and it gives you this incredible appreciation for the art form that it was just to be able to produce poetry, not just telling a story like, you know, sort of we do, here we are chatting away, but to mm. have done the entire thing in meter with words that fit the rhymes and the patterns and all that sort of thing. It's an incredible craft that is almost lost to the world. And what's really funny is that for a long time, you know, people, you know, people who were more familiar with with the art form of uh, um, of rap and that sort of style of, of spoken word and that sort of thing were sort of championing that idea and then for a long time that was kind of looked down on by the more sort of erudite um, members of academia and now all of a sudden people are like oh yeah no mary beard's like oh virgil was a great rapper or something it's like okay thanks for uh thanks for finally listening um <laughs> but it's it gives you an appreciation for why a lot of the stuff that seems odd actually does happen in, in, mm-hmm. in epic. Why the same phrases or the same epithets or why do we see the same scene but they've changed the names of the people and why does everyone you know bite the dust, that sort of thing. Because it's these formulaic phrases that just makes it easy to say. And, and the repetition. That's yeah. what, like, yeah, the constant repetition of the yep. same thing or Absolutely. the similes to keep oh, you on your toes. Similes. Or, oh my God, I love the Homeric <laughs> similes. They make me so happy. What's really interesting with Homeric similes is that essentially they were kind of, again, on the fly and they could be as long or as short as you wanted them to be. So you could be like, oh, that's just like, blah, blah, blah. which is, which actually for me, from from a perspective of, of the way that I teach, I, I include Homeric similes in everything that I do all the time. Um, and it's the same thing that, and, and like, actually it comes back to what memes are. It's like, here's a thing and I'm comparing it to another thing to give you an extra layer of understanding. Um, and so Homer was doing that to, you know, to, to put you, you know, right in the middle of the scene of battle. Like you may not have been out there and fought like this grand scale battle between, you know, these two huge armies and that sort of thing, but you certainly know what it's like when there's a lightning storm and there's, you know, the, the things are clattering and that sort of thing. It puts you in the middle of it. And in the Iliad, he's doing that, um, to, to put you in, in that scene. And we're in the, in the Odyssey, it's, like focusing it more on the like domestic side of things so you know it's about the there's that wonderful thing where uh, i can't remember which simile it is but odysseus is is something he's finally been saved from some terrible disaster and then and then homer compares it to like a family who's the father has just like finally recovered from some fever and they've all been sort of standing around that, that's feeling of relief and it's like yeah we can relate to that i know exactly how that feels and it's like it's putting you in the story which is an art that's that's long been lost, I think, to um, the modern novel, shall we say. Um, but then, of course, um, and, and this is my chance to plug a little bit of Latin, um, when when Virgil came along, he, he was doing something different, which was almost every simile of his is either a reference to a simile in Homer, or it's like it's a 
specifically crafted thing with a very specific meaning. So I appreciate Virgil on a different level to Homer because Virgil's doing the opposite of what Homer was doing. Homer, Homer or whoever we say, the Homeric bards, they were creating this thing on the fly and it was just all sort of happening as organic, but it was also, you know, repetitive and patterned and all that sort of thing because that was the craft. Virgil's sitting down with like, okay, you know, people have been reading Homer for you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and they, or they learn it by rote as children. So they know every reference in it. Um, and I'm taking, you know, two decades to write this poem. So I'm going to carefully craft every single line and every single reference and every single thing in it to be very specifically about this or that or a throwback to that. And so you can sit down with like 20 lines of Virgil and find like, you know, 15 references to Homer or Apollodorus or all these other things or things that we've lost that we don't even know, Aeneas, Mm -hmm. even that sort of thing. Um, And so he's doing a remarkable job of that, um, so much so that it killed him, which I, you know, have have some sort of small amount of compassion. The only problem is that it does mean that Aeneas is very kind of uh, sort of, uh, he's very flavorless and Mm -hmm. (laughs) is the budget version. I had a, a great conversation um, with Avon McMaster, who she teaches Roman lit. And she was basically just like made the case that Aeneas is, yeah, he's flavorless. He's kind of like a blank slate, but he is that on purpose so that throughout the Aeneid, Virgil could put all the other Homeric heroes onto him mm. in the different ways. Yes. So there's, moments when he's Achilles yes. and there's moments when he's Hector and yes. and all these people and she really made me actually think like okay fine like I think yep. I like if not Aeneas I like the Aeneid for yeah. what it is yeah that, that's it that, yeah, I love I love yeah. the Aeneid Aeneas mm, like yeah the bit for me that like the most unintentionally funny but also stupid moment in the Aeneid and there are a few of them it's when Aeneas in book six he enters the underworld and like two books before, he's like abandoned Dido. She set herself on fire and jumped like jumped off a cliff or something probably. Um, and then he, he's, he's, he sails away. And then they're like, oh, there's a big fire up there. I wonder what that could be. And we're just like that, that bit at the end of book four is, is very funny. But then in mm. book six, he gets to the underworld and he sees the ghost of Dido. And he's like, why are you crying? Was I something to do with this? Like the level of comprehension that he shows is like it's matched only by probably Harry Potter and and, and it's just like as <laughs> thick as a brick. Um, it's like why do women that that are interested in you end up as ghosts, Aeneas? <laughs> this is not a good Often, thing, man. There's a lot of ghost action yeah, here. A lot of ghost action. I mean, I still stand by the man forgot his wife. I know a lot of people mm. have some arguments about oh he didn't forget her and so many things happened. It was war. I think he forgot her. At least a little bit. Yeah, what's worse about that is the bit in the story where that comes up is he's telling it. Like, he could have just made up that she tripped over and was stabbed by someone. But he's like, oh, no, I forgot about her. Whoops. (laughs) It's like, It's also like book two. Yeah. Like, he gets through like a whole chunk and you don't know he ever had a wife. And then suddenly, like for me, because of how I do the show, like, I don't have the time to like read the whole thing and then go back and do every episode individually. So I'm like reading as I'm writing every episode. So for me, I got through a whole episode of the podcast before realizing (sighs) that Aeneas had a wife, which granted, you know, resulted in some 
unintentional comedy for me where I got to, you know, complain about Aeneas make, while making that point. Because, like, my second episode of the Aeneid is called, like, Aeneas actually had a wife or something like that, where it was, like, turns out, you know, as I keep going and reading through yes. this thing with you all, yes. you know, oh, he had a wife. Shucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Funny he, that he, does, he does have a son, so he had to come from somewhere. I mean, I suppose that's true, <laughs> but the assumption clue. could be that she didn't die, like, <laughs> Yo, no, 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 in no. the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah. Like, because he... You know he it's he's so famous for carrying his father and like yes. holding on to his son it, as he gets out and well, you're like, well, what about your wife, dude? It's, it's like it's like the class. It's such a classic image and it's like such a yes. patriarchal <laughs> thing, isn't it? Like here he is, he's he's taking his son, he's carrying his gods, he's and has left his wife to die. Like that just sums up men, doesn't it? Because <laughs> she already gave him the son, so he doesn't need her anymore. Done the job. See you later. <laughs> yeah. But, oh my gosh, no. Well, in reading the Aeneid, though, mm. like, really gave me an... It was really interesting to compare it because mm. I had just read the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. And in even when I was doing the Aeneid, I was also reading the Butler translation of the Iliad for the show as, like, a bonus episode oh, cool. back at the time. Yeah, I mean, now it's, like, kept going all of that, and I'm now beholden to two episodes of the podcast a week. <laughs> but it started with the pandemic and me being like, I'm bored. I'm going to read you all the Iliad from this public domain translation because I can. But so I was like simultaneously reading the Iliad and covering the Aeneid on the show. And just the the difference of because you because Virgil was writing it down and he his whole purpose was to be writing it down is so interesting mm. because it the way that it's structured, the way it's told, yep. all those things are it's it really emphasizes the skill in both sides yes. about how Virgil was writing it versus how the Homeric bards were composing it. Yeah. And, you appreciate yeah. both of them, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's, cool. it's hard. It was very hard to appreciate the Aeneid in the pandemic. It took me a lot longer than it should have because it was a tough time. It was not a, it's not a fun story yeah. mythologically. Yeah. And so it's a bit of a slog. Mm-hmm. And then, doing it while also in lockdown and stuff i was like nope mm. i'm gonna pause my telling of the need and we're gonna go to the frogs instead oh lovely <laughs> deviated there amongst other things yeah. but yeah no it's just it was really interesting covering it that way and it's one of the other than some ovid because he mostly mm. wrote about greek myths and metamorphoses so it's really easy to use his instead because they're gorgeous but otherwise it's sort of some of the first roman literature i've worked with i just i just want to you've brought up ovid so i have to say this i'm Please. like i'm like Okay, man, we get it. Things turn into other things. It doesn't have to happen <laughs> in every story. Oh but my god! But that's the point of the book. Of yeah, course it like, does. Uh, Otherwise, it, they, the story can't be in metamorphoses because there's got to be a metamorphosis. Yeah, but like, <laughs> make a make a collection of myths that don't have like don't just shoehorn someone turning into something at the end of any story. It really gets to me. It's like you're like, oh, you know, it's this great story, and then oh, he turned into a flower. Okay, thanks, Ovid. <laughs> It just gets you, know, you. I, like okay, I, like I, like the conceit's great, like for the first five times, but then when it's like forced on you for the like the tenth time, you're like, okay, you need to stop. So okay, I do and don't agree, but what this has re- made me realize is that I actually I don't know if I had to read them in school or if it's so if it's just been a while or I haven't, mm. but I don't think that I've ever gotten to the end of Metamorphoses when he starts telling the story of the Trojan War and then the founding of Rome. Mm. So 
what are the metamorphoses, metamorphoses, still plural. What are the metamorphoses in that part? Do you remember who's transforming into what? Because that doesn't make any sense. Honestly, I never got to the end. No, fair. Because, I mean, for me, I go to them for like specific purposes of I want to tell this story. And Ovid tends to tell things beautifully. He also, and certainly in the translations I have, but he also seems to like care what women feel. Ugh, what a concept. (laughs) Not a lot of Greeks did that. Um, But yeah, so, but I realized I've never gone to like the distinctly Roman stuff. And now I'm just Mm. fascinated with, I'm pretty sure there's an episode, there's a book on Caesar. Like, is his apotheosis? Maybe is that the transformation? Now I've got so many questions. I'm going to have to go back. I think it's going to be another episode. (laughs) I'm going to have to like cover Rome. God. God. Just, Just to get to who's transforming into what. Yeah. Yes, because no. he does Aeneas too. Anyway, now yes, I'm, I'll have to, have to go. In. I mean, like, yeah, I, I only, I again, I only get to touch on various bits of things, and we don't teach mm-hmm. of it in in school in New Zealand. So, for for better or for worse, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of transformations. They can yes. be fun and weird. I guess the thing for me is that uh, I've sort of, I feel like a bit like a mule with a spinning wheel, (laughs) to use an old uh, simile from an ancient text called The Simpsons. Um, I don't don't know what this is. (laughs) Damned if he knows how he got it. (laughs) Damned if he knows how to use it. No. So um, I I, I sort of ended up by accident with this large platform um, Mm -hmm. and and it, it sort of it, it weighs on me a bit sometimes it's like it's really hard to use it and then like i get like seven or eight different spam scam messages every week asking me to sell my page i'm just like no but it's kind of yeah it's kind of really hard to sort of to know what to do with it because it's it's hard to actually just monetize something that people want for free so i'm not like mm-hmm. i'm not out here to like you know force people to give lots of money but some people very generously do contribute to me which is great because I you know, I do work full time and then do this on the extra. Sometimes I do it at work, but don't tell my boss. Um, that doesn't surprise me, given how often I see you on Twitter. <laughs> I'm never not online. Um, but but I have made it an objective of mine to to try and do good with with the platform that I have, and. I guess you know it's it's manifested in a few causes when when there was um, uh, Black Lives Matter was uh, in, in the forefront of people's mind in 2020. We did a, a fundraiser and raised over a thousand dollars, which might not nice. seem a huge amount of money, but it, it went towards um, went towards actually a, a local um, charity for helping Indigenous um, children cope with uh, post traumatic stress from natural disasters, which is actually. Mm-hmm seems like a very oddly specific thing which it is because um there's you know there's a bit of that in our country we get earthquakes and floods and all sorts of things um Mm. but also uh, yeah i have i I guess i have sort of causes which i champion and some people get annoyed about it and other people are very receptive to it but um i've found in in all my time teaching and learning and making content for classics that it is an an area in which people who um, might find themselves uh, being on the outside of social groups or might find themselves to identify as being a bit different from other people, or we have um, lots of people on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum, um, lots of people who <clears throat> want to 
find something a bit different um and they're drawn to this for various reasons um and it and it and it can be a really safe and invigorating and fun place for people so i'm always trying to make it more uh, i guess more open and inviting and, and accepting of those sorts of people not that i'm perfect or anything like that but i you know uh, th- that's sort of definitely one of the causes that i champion and 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 you you do find people who come and try and put their own ideas onto what the ancient world was like as i'm sure that you get a lot of that obviously coming mm-hmm. from a feminist perspective um, i'm sure you have a lot of men telling you how, how a lot of things apparently worked men like to talk and they like to talk about the ancient greeks and romans quite specifically they really do yeah yeah and then they'll and they'll and and it's quite it's quite confronting because especially if you bring up ideas of gender and sexuality in the ancient world Mm -hmm. people won't come into that conversation without an agenda Mm. they won't they won't come into you um talking about the you know the the vast spectrum of of sexualities and genders that 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 did exist at that time without trying to try and smother or deny or cover that with obfuscation and definition and those sorts of things which only inspires me to um promote and, and cover that stuff more the classic and the most famous example and the most one that i get the most traction out of course is our lovely achilles and patroclus whom are not explicitly stated as being in love in the version of the Iliad that happened to have been written down, (laughs) given that, of course, many, 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 many other versions of it were told. Uh, And that, to some people, is the Bible. (laughs) And that is, is, you know, that is fact and that is law. And you cannot uh, read between the lines because... Because heteronormativity must be assumed, (laughs) Mm -hmm. apparently, in the ancient world. And then you you put it alongside that where you have sort of dialogues from the 5th century where they're really more discussing about which one's the top and which one's the bottom, which I absolutely adore. Um, (laughs) And and then, of course, you think, okay, yes, but they're also viewing that through their own own lens at the time where they had a culture which pederasty and the um erastus mm. romanus relationship was very common um and then there was the guy earlier this year who told us that the theban sacred band were oh, yeah. just friends or something they're pals they're they pals. died hugging that's yeah. just good pal action um but that was the guy whose name was pig um, and that <laughs> led to numerous uh, uh um, tendres, shall we say <laughs> um and but he wrote this incredibly long thread and and it's it's funny you get you learn the you learn the craft of sifting and you you get a very very long thread and you scroll down to about the seventh tweet and it's like as a conservative christian and you're like okay here we go (laughs) (laughs) oh look an agenda has appeared in the long grass um uh so yeah so i mean so so I'm I'm definitely for promoting ideas and discussion, learning more about those sorts of things. But people who come into any conversation trying immediately to shut down or to stifle that sort of conversation are immediately um, uh, positioning themselves in, in, in antagonistically towards me and will not be <laughs> treated very well. And, you know, won't be um, given the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and and. There are complicated, I guess, complicated ways to look at the ancient world because um, people didn't write down a lot of this stuff. 
um, and also we we do struggle to view things through our own lens. So um, yeah, it is it is always uh, fraught, but I think that the more we open the conversation, the better. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's very true. It's I mean similar and different to what I do, which is I mean certainly I'm mm. always trying to raise up the lgbtqia plus like voices from from myth and Mm. you know and make sure that everyone knows that like there's good evidence that all of this has been around for a really fucking long time like nothing is new um because i think that's the most helpful thing for so many people to just be like hey none of this is not new like you just think it's new because it's in your face more because of the internet it's not new what's what's new is people saying that no this is wrong and that sort of thing that stuff is yeah is is particularly recent um yeah and and the idea that that is normal is is a particularly recent development Mm -hmm. yeah that's true well and even just the way people especially you know on twitter and things love to come at those arguments as if um as if it's different opinions, mm-hmm. you know, like say specifically when it comes to trans rights, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, it's different opinions. And it's like, nah, like no. that's the thing I don't certainly don't stand for in yes. anything on mine as well. It's like, you can't phrase it as an opinion. People's lives are on the line. It's not an opinion. Yeah. Um, but I think especially when it comes to like ancient Greece and ancient Rome, it's a, I mean, definitely, you know, when it comes to LGBTQIA, for sure. But also you've got this whole realm that you deal with that I don't because I'm so outwardly feminist that nobody even comes. Like <laughs> my pocket, the podcast is a hundred percent run by a woman. Like there's a certain subset of people who are not listening to me mm. and they're not even trying. Mm. And I think that that's the same subset that would absolutely gravitate towards a meme page on Twitter. Um, yep. And I think that what I've really like respected watching your twitter exists is just the way that like there's a lot of people who for the sake of followers would not be super obvious about their stance on things like that controversial quote-unquote topics that are just like for those of us you know both sides sort of thing yeah exactly like you know there's there's thankfully there's a good number of people out there who don't see it as a both sides issue and see it as a literal right and wrong issue yep um but a Twitter is not normally a place for that. So <laughs> it's always entertaining kind of to watch when um, every once in a while you'll tweet like, a, oh, like fascists aren't welcome here yeah, or something like that. And the way that people respond to something that should be so obviously like a, <laughs> an obvious statement. I mean, statement. Get, get, with, get with the idea, guys. If I say fascists are bad and you're the one arguing, like, um, I don't think you're in the right here. Um, and it's the people who come and like, oh, but what about communists? It's like, <laughs> what are you doing mate <laughs> what are you trying to say um yeah and and that's and that's one of the other ways in which i run my account is that i just do like big sort of like not necessarily what well, people might view it as sort of bait but it's more like just like hey here's a big uh, here's a big like um stick if you want to wave it and out yourself then i'll block you and you can go away mm-hmm. um and these people tell on themselves so bad they're like little kids who can't help but be like milk um they are little children in many ways and yeah it's really interesting because obviously i do a lot of um research uh, around memes so it does mean that i uh i follow and interact with a, a bunch of other areas and groups and that's sort of thing. It's one of the reasons that i actually stay away from reddit because they're pretty tricky um but on facebook there are and there have been some very very interesting uh, facebook groups 
So mm. the, the difference between with Facebook is you can have a page which just shares stuff and that's just the person controlling it. And then you have groups which are just <laughs> open yeah. to all sorts of things. And and that was particularly um, tricky with the, with the Roman side of things because there were a few Roman groups which just were outwardly accepting of, you know, fascist tendencies, um, you know, really, really some really troubling stuff. And the moderators wouldn't really do much about it. And yeah, it, it's funny because like eventually they all kind of, they're like the Ouroboros, they sort of eat themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they become so bad that, that everyone reports the things and then they get banned. <laughs> and so it's kind of funny watching you do it, but it's, it's very sad to sort of see that sort of stuff going on. What I, the one thing I must say, the one thing I really do like about Facebook is that on on Facebook, there's a button, which I have, which is like, it allows you to delete a comment and block the person. And so mm. if someone's coming onto my page posting all this blah, 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 I can just go, and then it disappears. Where on Twitter is like, if you hide something, people go and look at that because that's like, mm-hmm. and if someone like, I remember it once it was someone posted something really nasty, some sort of strange image or something. Um, and and like you know hit it obviously and then someone else was like don't look at the hidden hidden replies and then like everyone would be like oh my god i looked oh my god i looked and it's like what did you expect people go looking for that sort of stuff yeah but uh, yeah it, it is unfortunate that there is a very very strong connection between people who like ancient rome and people who would uh, either uh, seek to diminish the rights of certain types of people or who are uh, overly militant about certain things or um, have some very questionable views about people and historical events and times and things. And so one of the most common ones that I do uh, to try and weed those out is, is the is the sort of thing, is, is sort of post where it's like, you know, sort of combining the different areas of, of like academia, which, which are sort of necessarily infested with those sorts of things, which is like Norse mythology, uh, World War II historians, um, you know, those sorts of things. And those and people are just like, it's really hard to like, to like my subject because it's so full of Nazis. Um, so yeah, I guess the more that I kind of uh, champion those sorts of things online is to try and just be like, you guys aren't welcome. And the more people feel unwelcome, then maybe they'll go away or maybe they'll even can reconsider their views. Unbelievable though that may be. I think the funniest one I got uh, like a week ago was I got a message being like, why do you have this in your in your bio? And it's like it was just a screenshot where it's like BLM, LGBT, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then like and punching Nazis. And I was like, ooh, I wonder which one of these things he doesn't like. And so, and and you know what the real bonus of this was? <laughs> the account was like a guy's name with a whole lot of numbers after it, but the, it wasn't even a guy's name. It was actually it was like a car, and his profile picture of the car it was like a Ford you know something some old vintage car i'm like man you're ticking so many boxes here i just want to try and find out what kind of bigot you are <laughs> and so i kind of you know sometimes just for fun i'll sort of lead them on sort of saying oh okay oh, what's the problem there and then and then you sort of you, you it's very much the socratic method of trolling um <laughs> so, socrates taught us a lot about how to be a troll but i just ask questions and questions until they're bang out comes the racism and he was he was particularly upset about the the black lives matter and i said oh mm. so you don't believe that black lives matter? like yes but blah, blah, blah. and it's just like yeah okay we're getting racist and then you go delete and block and then they're gone <laughs> and then you move on with your life which is the nice part about that 
Yeah. I've done a few of those as well. Like, obviously, I don't really collect the same type of people because, mm. again, it's all a woman. Lucky and thus, <laughs> they're not coming. Um, but my biggest thing is I used to say nice things about JK Rowling. And so now, every once in a while, I will just tweet, you know, just generally support of trans people and the way that yeah it's a similar reaction often where like people tell themselves immediately and all i'll say is like you know some nice thing about trans people and the way people that uh, that way that makes people angry sometimes is a horrifying thing but it really does weed people out and i'm like cool i don't need you listening yeah yeah exactly yeah it's a shame that um people who would fight for the rights of a marginalized group would then turn around and pull up the ladder on other people who still need to do that fight once they've actually achieved something. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for doing this. This has uh, been wonderful. Ben of the meme account, as I like to refer to you. <laughs> uh, so thank you. It's been great talking nerd things and yeah. Twitter. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been, uh, it's nice to have a captive audience who will just listen to me talk rather than try to interpret images that I post cryptically on the internet. That is a nice thing about podcasts. It's very different. <laughs> it's a very different medium than than cryptic photos on the internet or and, images on the internet and really just trying to get that new zealand accent out there into the world so you can all understand how cursed we are to talk like this i love new zealand accents <laughs> they're the one of the best i would argue because you sound so silly sometimes but in a nice way uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take like that it's a compliment i'll take that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you can really catch them i watch a lot of um uh, stars Spartacus. Oh, yes. and I can always pick out the that Kiwis and the down the road out of the me, yeah. Was <laughs> it? Crazy. That's wonderful. Insane. It's a very entertaining a show. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I need to go there for Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um, so your country is perfect for that reason alone. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much. This has been really, really wonderful. Thanks, Liv. I appreciate it. Again, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I do hope you got that the episode title was the joke that Ben told because obviously Socrates wasn't invented by Plato, but I laughed really, really hard while editing that bit. And I just thought, gods, that has to be the episode title. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. Again, this was an incredibly fun episode to record. So thank you to Ben for coming on and thank you all for listening. God, I have so much fun doing this fucking show. You are all the best. I am Liv, and I love this shit. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events, chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. 